Well, hello, C-Notes. Well, good evening, Black Pearl. And welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pearl Notes. This is, right. our, this is our podcast where we do a deep dive into the political machinations of the country and kind of give you the layman's terms of what what it means, why it means that, and do you do you even care? Should you even care? This is this <laughs> is that podcast. And I like uh, that. Yeah, I, I we come up with something new for it. And this evening's wonderful. Well, first, let me introduce myself. I am one host C Note, and I am your girl Black Pearl. And we are going to be talking tonight about Reconstruction, Civil Rights, and America today. And mm. in particular, well, in particular, what I like to call the the failed promise. So, Pearl, would you like to take it away and tell them a little bit about Reconstruction? Just, just the the highlights. Huh. So, yes, you know, it is Black History Month, and C-Note and I really felt like this is a great time to reflect not only on, you know, the present, but understand how the past also plays into the present. And something that the two of us have kind of been going back and forth about is the Reconstruction Era. In particular how certain things that are going on today very eerily mirror what happened during reconstruction so what do we mean by that as we said quick history lesson here reconstruction is the era that occurred directly following the civil war this is when we had federal troops down in the south essentially enforcing um you know, the new federal law that Black people were now free. They were no longer slaves. Unfortunately, the Reconstruction era, regardless of how successful it initially was, um, and it was successful in the beginning, uh, many of the freed slaves received land for the first time ever. They were able to you know, work that land, actually earn a living on that land, make a mm. life for themselves. They were able to and vote. They were actually elected to office, hold positions of power. Oh my goodness, in the government. Yes. And this is this happened not just on the federal level this happened in state houses as well you saw <clears throat> excuse me former former slaves now being elected to office various offices in state houses across the across the south um and we also had uh some uh black members elected to um, Congress um, and to the Senate, believe it or not. Um, however, 
even with all of this progress, then came, after that, there was a huge backlash. So basically, I feel like, you know, there came a point where white people in general, and I'm not just talking, uh, of course, we're not talking of the South. The South had a very different take on this. They wanted power consolidated back into white hands only in the north they pretty much lost the appetite to fight for black people any further and i truly feel that this is where we get the new animosity of the south in in relationship to the federal government because if you really think about our history it has been on the federal level that minorities have sought the most help in order to push the states to change their laws to do certain things you can pretty much take any sort of civil right um and use that analogy towards it took the federal government creating a law that forced the states to change that law their laws change their behaviors to give individuals more more rights more freedom more liberty well i think it goes a little bit even deeper than that because when it came to the, the, the federal government stepping in. They didn't just send the military in down there and said, hey, you know, play nice, do the right thing. They literally, Lincoln sent them down there to run the South until they could be trusted. Until, and, and the funny thing was, this wasn't even so much Lincoln as it was the Congress. They wanted, yes. wanted, they wanted assurances. You know what? Like these must be, again, and these, and I wish I could say that, you know, oh, well, these were, you know, biracial people, black people. No, these were white people that said, how dare these, these other white people, crackers, <laughs> jump out there and do treason, start some shit. Ah. <laughs> You and so have they touched said, a nerve. <laughs> and, and then they said, no, 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 no. You've got to pay for that. And so they said, until we can trust your loyalty, until we can trust your loyalty, uh-uh. Y'all, y'all, don't, y'all don't have the ability to vote in this great nation so- of ours. We, we, we have to... We have to make sure that you you playing on the same team as everybody else. Ah, and so then what happens? Soon as Lincoln is assassinated, and uh huh, and his VP <laughs> Johnson is elevated to the presidency, a man of the South, man of the South. What does he mm. do? Oh, he, he rolls that bitch back. He rolled all of that back because what was more important to him was making sure that the 
it wasn't even so much keeping the union. I truly believe that his primary focus was keeping the South happy. Period. I will agree with you. I, I will agree. Even though he history portrays him as being uh, wanting to pr- keep the union together after Lincoln and, and not letting the South, you know, fracture off and split again, certainly not go through a, uh, a worsening depression. I'll agree with you. He he definitely had his his focus on the South. Yes. But I mean he but but it just it I, like I said I don't even think it was just the reason why I say it wasn't just the South because the way that he rolled things back also in the North and and I think he was a part of that apathy in Northern Whites for not wanting to continue to fight for African Americans for the, for the newly freed that, slaves. I mean, I but once again, Andrew Johnson was a man of the South, and I I don't I don't care this when when you know when people talk about the Great Migration of Black people going north, it wasn't just Black people that went north. The South was literally decimated to a point where there were white people that traveled as well they moved around this country as well. And even to this day, everyone moves. So there were people and they were already that were already in the North, but there were also those from the South that moved themselves further North or those from the Midwest who were mm-hmm. in state, who were in slave territories or former slave territories at this point, who had these already preconceived notions of how things were supposed to go how the order of things were supposed to be and they wanted to get them back to that however they could but the caveat was they had to make sure that however they dressed it up it was shown or it was seen as being legal and this is exactly what the current republican party is doing today and the current Republican Party is doing what then, at that time, <laughs> was they were on the other side. They were on the other side. So, and and so this is where that revisionist history that really irks me with regards to the Republican Party who love to call themselves the Party of Lincoln. It's like, yeah, you all, the Republican Party of Lincoln was the Liberal Party. They were the ones who were pushing to, to they, they are the ones who created 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments. Oh, that we is don't get how to that. We, that is how we got um, black people being citizens, black people having the right to vote. Okay, this that liberal Republican Party forced that issue. Well, the before, Republican before, Party today—they are not about pushing or creating equality in that same manner. Well, frankly, that Republicans of today aren't much about anything other than the attainment of wealth and power. But going back to 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 the touch on what um, Johnson's legacy, it was under his time that we got the Ku Klux Klan. 
That's when and we they got, got these... to run a rampant. Oh, they they went after him for, uh, you know, initially because eventually Grant went after President Grant. Eventually went after them, but they would come back again later. But it was under him that they first got their start because they again he empowered those Southern whites to take back what had been stolen from them. Oh, by Lincoln. Does that not you sound did. eerily eerily similar <laughs> to what we hear today? You you see why I brought it up. Your country. <laughs> see, see why I brought that up? It ties directly into it. And then now, since since you brought it up, the amendment thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. Hmm. So 13 went ahead and freed and made save save for punishment made slavery a crime no matter what your race and freed all those who were in bondage officially then you get into good old 14th and 15th That basically goes ahead and gives us the right to vote. Says mm. that we are citizens of this land. Uh, let's clarify. It was black men that were given the right to vote because black women that is true. were not given the right to vote. Just nope, as that was, women were not able to vote at that nope, time. That would, nope, that would take the so. 16th Amendment and women's suffrage for that to happen sad but uh huh and it still took even longer for all of us to for black people to be able to vote well, that brings me back to my point of I feel that because of yet again and this is why I'm bringing it up because of the Supreme Court the third the not the 13th but the 14th and 15th amendment were not in legal terms watered down, but in authority were watered down by the Supreme Court. Yes. So that they were not enforceable. And what thusly created the civil rights movement, because in theory, the civil rights movement should never have existed. There was no point. We already had the right to vote. We were supposed to be equal citizens under the law. It's already in the books. <laughs> so why do we so why do we have to have the civil rights movement to get something that's already there? Uh, uh... See and, and and that's the thing that pisses me pisses me off so much when I when when you really read history and you really learn about this country. You find out, wait, 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 wait. So this didn't need to happen at all because we already had it? Yeah. Yeah. But because the, the civil, Supreme Court... This, Go ahead. I just, you know, I just, I just think about the fact that, think about how long the civil rights movement truly lasted. 
like like truly lasted. Most people only think about you know the the fifties and the sixties when they talk about it, but the civil rights no. movement was much much longer than that. And so it's like, why did it take so long for us to be granted rights that were given to us directly following the Civil War? And 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 in many regards, we are still fighting the same battles today. Well, what's even crazier is that the first civil rights bill was done in 1866. That's how far back this goes. And we're st- and after getting the rights, they weren't enforceable. And the reason why I bring up the Supreme Court in this wonderful little equation is because of what just happened in Alabama. A little off topic, but it relates because the the Supreme Court just ruled that Alabama's uh, gerrymandered uh, voting districts, its plan can stand. Saying that it's too close to an election time to change, even though it has been ruled uh, to disenfranchise African-Americans. And sadly, I would say that, you know, though I agree with you that I disagree with, I disagree with the Supreme Court, but this is on Congress because it is Congress's job to deal with elections to deal with voting to create the laws that create the environment of equality for all of us and congress refuses to do its job because we still have unfortunately a party right now that in all of the states they are hell-bent on voting just as a Republican block, and I have to say that it's the Republicans because they are the only ones that are creating laws that are hindering certain people from being able to cast a ballot. And in a democracy where, quite frankly, in many regards, that ballot is the only way for you to even have a voice within the government, the fact that you have one party trying to make it more difficult for certain populations within our country, citizens, they are trying to make it harder for certain citizens to cast a ballot and have a say within our democracy. Isn't this the reason why we go to war? If we were talking about any other country, we would call it out for what it is. But for some reason, we were we cannot seem to look ourselves in the mirror and call out 
the hypocrisy that is occurring within our own borders. Because if this was going on anywhere else in the world, we would say that that was a sham democracy. But because it's within our own borders, we can't seem to hold a mirror up to ourselves. Why would we do that? That's sad. That is sad. When we are the ones who are claiming that we are the democracy, the example of democracy for everyone else around the world. And yet, yet, Right now, America is not even looked at as a strong democracy because of one political party who only wants power. And for some reason, there are enough enough citizens in this nation who seem to be okay with that. What does that say about us as a country? Well, I'm gonna just I'm gonna say what I've always said. It's repression. This nation has. This all stems from this very conversation that we're having. This this wonderful topic that we're having this evening about Reconstruction and the end of slavery, the end of the Civil War. There was never a resolution. There was never truly punishment. The war was not. The Civil War was not the punishment. That was that was the conflict to get to an answer, and we got the answer. Slavery is bad. The North won. The South should never do this shit again. But rather than be punished, there was no accountability. Sound familiar? Uh, <laughs> Nobody was. Yes. You know, all of the generals and leaders, they were pardoned. But, you know, those who didn't, those who, you know, fought on the ground, not a part of the Confederate Army or weren't high enough rank, they were charged with treason. Hung. Shot. But those at the top? No, slap on the wrist. Don't do it again. Let's all, let's all be kumbaya. Hmm. Sounds look very at where pr- we are today. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We still we had an attack on on Congress in our nation's capital. And yet only the lowly foot soldiers and not even all of them are facing any sort of any sort of crimes, any sort of punishable time. Those at the top, they seem to be tiptoeing up all around of even thinking about pressing charges against them. Now, what I find funny is wasn't this country built up on the principle that nobody was above the law? That there was no you king? Know Mm, mm. That 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 anybody could be brought before the people who's supposed to have power, right? We the people, we have we, we give Congress uh, give Congress uh, power, and we can take it from them. Yeah, I I love how in this day and age we've given up trying to find a king. Because even the president is the king, as most people have, should realize by now, the president is a figurehead. 
<laughs> He's got some executive powers. Oh, you know, a couple of executive orders here and there. He has, he has no real power. He knows no. more than you, but that's about it. No. And better protected. Because, let's be real. The president's the president's true power, like true power, essentially lies lies in his signature. And that means that he has received a piece of legislation from Congress, be it a resolution of war, a a, a, a new law that is going to provide additional rights or protections to the citizens. That is where his power lies, is in his signature on a piece of legislation sent over to him from Congress. There is the money. Who has the power? Congress. Congress. It always goes back to them. (laughs) At the end of the day, when we really look at how our nation was established, Congress is where the real power lies. Yes, we have three branches of government. Yes, they each have checks and balances. Uh, you know, against against one another. <laughs> Supposedly, right? Supposedly. But at the end of the day, it seems like Congress. Oh yeah. That's where the real power is. That's where the real power lies. Hold hold up. I wanna I wanna pick on that. I wanna pick at that real quick. Are there checks and balances on the three? Are are they keeping each other in check? Because it doesn't seem that way to me. Because because it's written out that way. (laughs) How in the hell can the judiciary be the checks and balance on Congress and the president when the president selects the Supreme Court <laughs> and most federal judges. Oh no no see see here's where here's where the, the whole checks and balances. The president nominates the individuals, but they mm. all have to go through Congress to be approved and uh-huh. voted on before uh-huh. they can be appointed to uh-uh. any of those seats. Ah uh, but you we're all forgetting the caveat here. Parties. Again, now, now, this is where the wild ah, card comes in. Yes. Yes. Democrat, Republican. It's, it's all dependent <laughs> upon which party has control of what branch? Congress. <laughs> and, you know who, and you know who showed us this the most? Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell showed just how much power Congress has when he decided with no precedent whatsoever that he was going to hold open a Supreme Court seat for For damn near a year. For a year. And Fast track, and then and then change the rules, change the rules so that he could not fast track not one, but two two. Supreme Court justices. How many days before the election? (laughs) 
Okay. He <laughs> fast tracked not one, but two. Bef- like I think it was like a, I think we had less than a month before the election. For the, by the time the she got no, by the time Amy Coney Barrett got confirmed, votes had already been cast. Early yeah. voting had already <laughs> begun by the time that woman got confirmed. Uh, I will, I will say this live for the nation to hear. I loathe everything that is Mitch McConnell, but I will always give that man his props for being a political savant. He knows how to wield power. I will grant him that. He knows how to, uh uh-uh. If I say no, I mean no. And nobody goes against him. I, I I can't I won't disagree with you there. It just it just it saddens me, but it also angers me that in the manner that he does that is not for the betterment of the nation. We are really in this I I, I feel like the environment, the political environment that we are living in now, yes. This has like been brewing for several decades now, but the way that he has managed the Republican Party in the Senate since he has taken over as leader has truly just fast tracked us to where we are now because. I'm I'm like he has no problem being partisan at all. And he loves to and he loves to call out the Democrats anytime they try to do something along party lines. But that man is not about real bipartisanship in any way. Like at all, he doesn't and, care, and, and he will find that, a way to make it happen, or he'll just blame the other side. And that it doesn't goes, matter. And and that and that ties us also right back to Reconstruction. That's how I look at Wisconsin. Same thing. They, you know, the the Republican Party is is just rehashing. Today's Republican Party is just rehashing what was done then. A strategy that worked. Think about, I, I look at today with uh, BLM and then um, hashtag Me Too and hashtag Pride, quote unquote, regular white conservative America. They've had enough. They're pushing back. This is that apathy. This, okay, you have your rights, so you're fine. Nothing else is wrong. Let's stop talking about it. Even though nothing, they don't want to enforce the very laws and changes that have been made. 
They want to keep things back, put things back in the bottle, even though they claim that things are fine. We all know that things are not fine. No, things are getting worse. Which brings us to to that part today, America Today, the failed since we see that the civil rights, like I said, I feel that the civil rights, in, in many ways, though, it had to be fought, needed to be fought. I'm glad that it was fought. I feel like it was also a sham. It shouldn't have had to have happened. I feel that the civil rights movement had a stake driven through it with the deaths of Martin and Malcolm. And it stalled in many ways. And so instead of having more of a cohesive vision and a way to push forward, we've been trying to cobble enough pieces here and there. But there is no clear-cut vision and this is this is something that I feel is almost um it's 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 that lack of vision for um I'm just gonna look at the the African-American community that lack of vision within our communities is still seen so much today when the fact that we can go and say you know something as simple once again as voting voting should the the bedrock of democracy we are still having a harder time just participating in the process than our white counterparts. And in many ways, this also plays into other minority groups as well. Where if you live in a predominantly Black county, you are more likely to wait in line longer to vote have more have less polling options have less resources and information with regards to voting than if you lived in another in a predominantly white county why is that why is that still the reality in 2022 or even when, you know, they'll push us all into one district, even though we'll remake up, you know, more than 30% of a state. I mean, look at Texas. Like, like, like I, I love pointing this out, where you have a state where the growth within that state's population was driven predominantly by Latino and African Americans. That's... That was those two groups helped drive the population to the point where they picked up seats in Congress. However, when they drew their maps up, there was no, there was no (laughs) showing 
of that representation. They literally maneuvered those maps so much. (laughs) Damn near every last one of them was predominantly white. Now, how is it possible that every district (laughs) down there is predominantly white when you have population growth more in your African-American and Latino populations, citizens within, within your population? Please explain that to me. But then you have individuals in the Senate who will claim there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with the maps that they drew. They made sure that it was representative of their state. They, I'm gonna go on really? this incident. They also lost that they. It went from having two black districts to having one black district, and the Latins. Rather than getting supposed to have two, they only got one. It was real oh, messed I think up. They, and, I, th- I, th- I think they actually took away the African American, the, the, the black district. Mm-hmm. I think they took away the black districts. <laughs> See, Probably, and 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 lumped us in with the Latin American district, and that's the and that's how they do. They just toss us from one side to the other, just eh, shuffle. Shuffle those Negroes about, and that's 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 the reason why I feel that that's what happened when when Johnson took over as president. He shut down Reconstruction, and then that was their shuffling period period to figure out how could they basically keep us enslaved without actually having us enslaved, and they did. They came up. Shortly thereafter, Jim Crow. Yes, spread throughout the whole country. Because then once the civil... again, their focus mm-hmm. was keeping us in check. Then you we started doing. Negroes have your place. <laughs> again, we should already be free, but we're not. Then we had the civil rights movement. Then we have our leaders assassinated, we're beaten, we're tortured, all for us to have the right to vote, only to have today them doing the them taking the our, our right to vote away through redistricting, through changes in, in, in polling options, legally denying us the right to vote. And it's the same. It's the same story. Voting options. And then they're dressing it up as voter integ- voting integrity. That's what this is all about, right? They claim. That's what they claim. That's that that's that is that is the message that they are repeating over the airwaves constantly. Though most of the examples of voter fraud that occurred, particularly in this past election, white Republicans were people who were people <laughs> who were voting multiple times for Trump. They were white Republicans. Let's just call it out. White Republicans. <laughs> I, I I love how white people make these laws. Say these laws are unbreakable. No one is above them. 
until it's a dam, and then it's, well, I can break this law, but you can't. Or there, I'm the exception to this unbreakable law. And now look at us. Uh huh. And once again, we are going through a period where there is a certain group who is not facing accountability of any sort. And we're all supposed to just go along with the program and not call them out on the things that they are doing. After Reconstruction, after the the North was basically forced out of the South and power was once again given into the hands of the white Southerners, they created the, the military left. <laughs> once, once the military... they created a system that they were able to concentrate power only in their hands and in many 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 ways that power is still predominantly concentrated in their hands to this day and because of the shifting demographics in many of these southern states now they are once again coming up with these uh, and I say this loosely, creative ways mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. essentially roll back the clock and create, I'm not going to say Jim Crow 2.0, but they are creating an environment in which, guess what? Regardless of if we are in the majority or the minority, we will always retain power. You see, I think people need to go ahead and call a spade a spade. See, you don't want to call it Jim Crow 2.0. You're right. I won't call it Jim Crow 2.0. This bitch is 4.0. This bitch is on dubs. They, they are, they are. You see, I, I don't think that the people really understand what Trump really did. Not all the flamboyant stuff. Not all of his stupidity and 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 even inflaming of uh the white you know white americans the the republican base which trump really did what really set things apart for this nation was that he made it acceptable to feel that way to wear your hatred proudly And so now we're at this point where people are like, no, I vehemently hate it. And I'm going to, I'm going to go toe to toe with you because I hate it. That's, I think, what really has sparked a lot of this craziness because you have to think about it. We've, we've talked before about, Republicans have taken over. They learned their lesson from uh, the Reconstruction and the end of the Civil War. States' rights. That's where their focus has been. They have systematically, over decades, especially once the Civil, uh, 
John uh, LBJ established the civil rights. And he made that famous statement. We've lost the the South for a generation. Ever, it seems like now. But he, that, that right there was that moment where Republicans said, you know what? We don't need the federal government. It's going to be state government all the way. The only time that we want the federal government down here is to sign a check when it's a bad day. Look at how they've weakened the federal government to do anything to stop what's going on. But once again, I go back to one of the statements that I made previously. They have, they, they have always, it seems to me, had an, uh, a, a, a hate relationship with regards to the federal government. And any time a civil rights issue has been at the forefront, it's just cranked that up. And so, you know, like I I feel it, when it comes to certain states, they just refuse to acknowledge the power of the federal government because well, the federal government in itself is supposed to be a reflection of the entire the nation as a whole as a whole and the nation as a whole i believe is is moving away from from the idea of america that many within the Republican Party hold. And it's not to say that, you know, our vision of America is 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 bad. It's just that it's more inclusive and it's more equitable. And I don't think that they I'm not even gonna say they don't like that because they don't want to share. They've never wanted to share. And the only thing that they look at the federal government for is just what you said. When we have a bad day, you're going to write that check. Everybody's going to pitch in. Well, but I don't even, other than that, I don't, stay out of my life. Stay out of my way. I kind of disagree because whenever they're in power, they let the federal government run rampant. Which is the the, the exact opposite. It was... The funniest thing, for for years after Reagan, we heard nothing but, you know, smaller federal government, smaller federal government. Let the states be the states. It was under W, it was under uh, Junior that we got Homeland Security, <laughs> the biggest watchdog agency ever. Talk about uh-huh. creating Big Brother. But nobody can't, like, nobody talks about that. No one says anything. Oh, well, it was 9-11. We were attacked. So what? Do you know how many other agencies you had? You did not need to create another Big Brother agency to, to bring them all together. No. 
Whose slush fund it is that funding? It wasn't a necessity, but you know what? In their minds, it made their people feel safer. And that is what it was all about. They were selling um, the optics. Yeah, well, nothing says dictatorship like some, or, or um, uh, hearkening back to what, you know, the Germans or the Russians did by something referring to something like, like you know, the homeland or thus the fatherland. I mean, it, it's just so weird. And no, that no one says these things. And if you do, you're, you're labeled, oh, you're unpatriotic. You're, you're just going against the system. You don't see how the system has now been corrupted inside and out, like just completely. Once again, there are more yeah. there are more lobbyists on Capitol Hill than there are actual congressmen. I think that this goes back to the conversation that we had on the last cast. There need to be term limits to prevent a lot of this. Because if you are not going, if you are not getting into government to actually create and and garner change, what are you getting in it for? Because quite frankly, there are too many on Capitol Hill right now, on both sides of the aisle, who have held on to seats only because of the the party affiliation with them, but they have done absolutely nothing to actually help move forward their constituents that they serve. And for some of them, they are okay with that. Why? Because it's a real nice cushy job where you get paid almost $200,000 a year to vote. To be in meetings. To have a few events and talk to people. I'm about to say they go to meetings. To raise money. This is what they do. And many of them get voted in every election cycle. Every election cycle. And what does that do? They just grow their, their war chests. Just keep growing their war chests because depending upon where they are, they don't have to spend that much money in order to get reelected. And once they have enough name recognition, but it's not forcing them to actually do their job. It's not forcing members of Congress to actually work together. For the betterment of all of us. Uh, okay, see, I I disagree here. This, this I'm I'm tired of hearing about this. Let's 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 work together. Uh, I don't want to hear about it. I don't. I okay, don't hear it. That's now. Nah, you know what? You know what? You know what? See now, that's gonna be our next topic. We're gonna talk about is there real bipartisanship anymore? Is there Fuck such no. a thing? That... <laughs> we'll ex- we'll expound upon that on the next cast, sir. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh! I want to jump down on that one. 
Because I, I hate I you, everything. I know, I know you want to jump down that rabbit hole, but that's gonna we're gonna, we're gonna put a bookmark in it. We're gonna save that for the next time. Because that's gonna be a very interesting conversation. And it's gonna play all it's gonna tie all into the discussion that we just had. Is all right. can, can can we get back to or has there really ever been an era of real compromise? Real and compromise and bipartisanship. Let's 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 let's, let's table that one. We'll table that one. So, but, but before we get out of here, this is so. What then? In 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 wrapping up our current topic, how do you see us getting out of this repetitive cycle of uh, the failed American promise? This this idea that we are all equal, we're all citizens, we all have the right to vote, and yet now, first it was done illegally to us, then it was done to us through intimidation, now it's being done to us through legal means. And intimidation. They don't have to intimidate us now. Now they just, again, there is no bigger intimidation than to legally tell somebody you can't have food or water as you wait in a 10-hour line. (laughs) Uh, Trust me on that. Like, I know that people are just like, wait, wait, wait. It's against the law to have water? No, no, no. I'm sorry. Why? Why in this era of technology should anyone have to wait in line a whole darn work day to cast a vote? That makes absolutely no sense. I'm still trying to figure out why in this day and age, why we still have some places still have paper ballots. Like, you know, I get having paper ballots. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't cheat paper. Shit. (laughs) People do that shit all the time. I'm just saying. People do it all the time. They get caught, but they do it all the time with paper. And I understand the need for paper if you're doing, like I said, like with COVID, it's a mail-in ballot, drop it in. But we had a ton of extra security we had to, to do to do that. And I was cool with that. But when I go actually in person to vote, they should not be handing me a piece of paper to fill out and thusly scan into a system. I should be going right up there and just pressing a few buttons on the touchscreen and walking out. Okay. See, now, I'm okay. I'm okay with filling out a paper ballot, and then as long as long as what I have put on that ballot is what gets entered into the computer. Does it? I be net, net, nowadays with all the technology, paper and electronic maybe both be compromised, and why See? why we're here? See, whole nother topic. Whole nother topic. <laughs> It, is the system actually truly protected? Once again, 
whole nother topic. <laughs> Let's table that one too. See there? I love it. I love it. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get to that one real soon. Yes, yes, yes. And and to all of our listeners out there, thank y'all for tuning in and joining us. Please, we'd love to hear from you and hear your takes, hear your opinions on the topics that we are discussing. And as you can hear too, of the topics that we are planning on discussing, what is it that you want to talk about? Join the conversation. Thank you so much for joining us here at Pearl Notes. This is your girl, Black Pearl. Mr. Boy Cino, we signing off and uh, we back at this thing again real soon. Yes, Peace. we will be. Peace.